0: Macworld Podcast number 73, special edition for January 29th, 2007. Sponsored by MYOB, Small Business Management Software. MYOB helps you to mind your own business smarter. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Breen. Today's podcast delves once again into the audio archives and the recent Macworld Expo. This edition focuses on Take Control, the ever so helpful ebooks published by Tidbits founders Adam and Tanya Engst. Adam and Tanya are joined on the Macworld stage by a variety of Take Control authors, including Glenn Fleischman, Steve Sandy, Michael Cohen, Scott Canaster, Karen Anderson, and Jeff Carlson. How they managed to fit on Macworld's cozy stage is beyond me, but they did, and here they are, starting with Adam Engst.
1: First of all, thanks to our our, our friends at Macworld. Um, What what we have here is a a large collection of people who are associated with Take Control ebooks. What's Take Control eBooks, Jeff? Jeff Carlson says our, our one of our one of our people. Take Control eBooks is a it's a project of, of Tibbets Electronic Publishing. People who have we've been publishing Tibbets for seventeen years, and for the last three years we've been publishing electronic books about largely Macintosh topics. We have you know lots and lots and lots, and lots of them. If Tony you can show our catalog there, Uh-oh, our, our our screens don't quite match up. Who knew? Um, so we've been, publishing, we've been publishing books for three years. We've got about 40 or 50 books now. It's a little hard to say because you know, we have all the Panther books still, as well as Tiger books. And, and uh, we're, we're starting to think about our Leopard books, but we don't. Apple has told us nothing, so we know no more than you. But we have um, present lots of Take Control authors, and there's even more of them who, who are not here. Um, from from this side, we have Glenn Fleischman, um, who has written, Take Control of your, your Airport Network, Take Control of Your Wi-Fi Security, and take control of your domain names, our most one of our very most recent books. So he's our, our wireless and networking expert. Next to him we have Steve Sandy, who wrote, Take control of iWeb and Take Control of Your iPod beyond the music. I mean everyone knows how to use, use an iPod for playing music, but you know, he's the guy you go to if you want to play games on your iPod or get subway maps on it or things like that. Uh, next up we have Michael Cohen who wrote Take Control of Syncing in Tiger. All of the, okay, you have two Macs or you have a Mac and a, some little electronic device that, you know, you really want to sync to your Mac. Um, he's got all of the information about that. Next up, we have Scott Canaster, who wrote Take Control of Switching to the Mac, which, you know, it's one of those books, we actually wrote it with Gen- um, Genentech, uh, the biotech firm, because they had a lot of people who were using Windows and who, they well, the guy who we were working with really wanted to get them all using the Mac. And so he thought it would be a lot easier if they had a book. Um, It's one of those books that uh, we figure most people here probably don't need. Um, Nevertheless, Scott is also one of of our experts on uh, running Windows stuff on the Mac and just generally how the mindsets are different. My wife, Tanya, who is our editor-in-chief. Hi, everyone.
2: Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello.
1: (laughs) And Great my, to see
2: everybody here.
1: On my left, Karen Anderson, who was the editor of Take Control of Thanksgiving Dinner, which was our, our first foray outside of significantly outside of the world of the Macintosh, which was really, really hard. And we have to say it was a very, very cool book, and, um, and we have to figure out how to get books to people who need to figure out how to cook Thanksgiving dinner. Um, it turned out to be a lot harder than we expected. And lastly, Jeff Carlson, who has edited, take control of Mac OS X backups, and take control of recording in GarageBand, and take control of buying a digital camera. Um, And he keeps coming up with book ideas and never not actually getting around to writing them, so he goes off and edits another book. (laughs) Time... Like you just—they're short. I mean, that's the beauty of a take control ebook—is it's not this huge 400-page tome where it's actually obsolete before you finish reading it. Um, most of our books range from about 80 pages to 120 pages, and they come with free minor updates. So if things change while you're going, you can download a new version and see what's see what's new. Now, um, before we get before we get started, I do have two CDs here that have every take control ebook on them. Um, the entire library. And we'll be trying to figure out some way of uh, raffling these off, giving these to, to people in the audience at the end of the end of the presentation. But what I wanted to do, um, first off, was just quickly talk, you know, ask each, each of our authors sort of what at the show, in their sphere of expertise, is new and interesting. And while we're doing that, you know, and after that person, if you have a question about their particular sphere, you know, so... If, Glenn, could, is there anything really hot like Airport Extreme base stations that's new and cool that you'd like to tell us about? And then um, maybe if people have a quick question about Wi-Fi
3: or whatnot, we can we can go with that. Sure. Well, it was a, I guess it wasn't a surprise, but 802.11n, not necessarily called by that name, is the big thing at the show. The Apple TV uses this new faster method of networking. So too does the uh, the iPhone when it ships. It will use this faster method. And Apple quietly also released the new Airport Extreme which has a Mac Mini uh, and Apple TV form factor. It's now square and and low profile and uses 802.11n. And 802.11n, it's an upgrade to Wi-Fi. It runs 100 megabits per second of real throughput, of real data in the best circumstances you can get across the network. Apple's committed to it because of the potential of video. And uh, if you're working in a graphic design house, a publishing company, or anywhere you're moving large files, you're going to get this because suddenly you can get Ethernet-like speeds with Wi-Fi.
1: Now, the real question, though, is it's not released yet. So the draft end, I mean, 802.11 is not released yet. Do we know anything about compatibility?
3: Right. That's going to be the big issue is Apple will certainly make sure all of its own equipment is compatible with everything they sell, but the standard is still in flux and in process. This week there should be uh, an actual vote by a standards group on on the final draft that will get approved, and all the chip makers and companies that make uh, equipment that Apple and Linksys and others sell should be now thinking about upgrading and moving to a compatible standard so you can get a Linksys card. Apple doesn't seem to be talking about selling this new flavor for their older machines. So if you've got an older MacBook, an older iMac, or Power Mac, and you want to add 802.11n, you may need to get a USB dongle or some other card from a third party like Linksys or Buffalo or Belkin. And so the compatibility is going to be an important issue for that new faster flavor. Cool.
1: Any questions about wireless networking or, or domain names or that sort of thing while well, you've got Glenn on the spot? Yes, i back. Okay, yeah, you might have to come off a little bit because we're not going to be able to hear you across everybody else.
4: <laughs> is, there,
1: can you, is there a way to tell if you have an incompatible card in your machine already? Oh an N
3: compatible. Yeah, incompatible versus N compatible. Question is right, is there a way to tell if you have an N compatible card your machine already? A very uh small number of Macs have shipped. Apple has a list. If you go to Apple.com slash airport extreme, uh I think is the or airport even, they have a list in a footnote, you have to look for it. Any <laughs> Apple with a core two duo Intel processor in it uh can be upgraded to draft and except or updated to the, the sorry the newer the eight hundred two eleven n that Apple's shipping except the one point eight three or is eight seven <laughs> gigahertz <laughs> iMac with Core two Duo that's like the footnote to the footnote is there's a single Core two Duo model that can't be upgraded all the rest are n not in but n like letter n compatible with the upgrade uh, firmware upgrade that Apple will ship apparently in February at the same time they ship the updated Airport expre- uh, Extreme base station
1: sounds good.
3: Um, one more quick one.
1: Oh, Qu- the question is, what's the difference between the three speeds B,
3: G, and M? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, the original standard eight hundred two eleven B ran at a was a, a rated speed of eleven megabits per second. It actually achieves less real throughput of real data. Uh, 802.11g, or the current Airport Extreme and Express, is uh, 54 megabits per second, but really achieves more like 20-something megabits per second of real data throughput. 802.11n is the initial uh, version, will be 150 megabits per second, but will achieve as much as 100 megabits per second of real network throughput, so actually exceeding... Uh, 100 megabit per second Ethernet. There will be faster flavors of N later that will go as fast as 600 megabits per second, but they'll be very expensive used typically in corporate environments. Sounds good.
1: Um, we, let's move on. Um, Steve, Sandy, perhaps you could tell us uh, from the iPod that we I don't think there's any iWeb news at all, is there? Yeah, but perhaps that you could tell w- us the iPod stuff. Well, yeah, kind of going to There are some the, cases here, I think.
5: Yeah, kind of going to that <laughs> iWeb comment there, <laughs> the fact that... Uh, iLife 07 didn't come out yesterday it was a bit of a shocker I, I i don't know if i expected to see that after last year but my guess is it's probably uh definitely going to be something that probably definitely it's going to be something that's going to be coming out uh with the uh uh leopard later on this year i mean i absolutely was shocked it didn't come out but uh getting to the ipod um well the iphone is an ipod and i how many of you out there think that if they came out with a iPhone, just took out the phone capabilities, that it would be a really neat iPod? Uh, raise, your, raise your hand. Yeah, because you'd have a widescreen iPod with a you know, really nice interface and some other things out there. Put a
6: hard disk
5: in it. Yeah, put a hard disk in it. <laughs> Maybe a bit bigger battery, make it a little bit thicker. I think you know something has to be happening down uh, the road in... Cupertino, or they're thinking about doing something like that, but uh, yeah. In terms of uh, iPod announcements, I was really kind of sh- almost shocked. <laughs> you know, I expected something. You know, the the iPod Pico or something coming out. Yeah,
1: well, you know, it gets too small and you lose it constantly. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's a real problem. I mean, one of the things that I found interesting about the the iPhone and sort of from the from the perspective of the iPod is that it really is a different form factor, and mm-hmm. you know. Are we going to see what's going to what's, what is the next iPod only iPod going to look like? Because you know once once the iPhone is out, which of course won't be until June, then we'll be in a situation where yeah the the old iPods will probably look a little old. Um, now the other thing I was going to ask is what's what is your thought what are, what are you thinking about um, other applications? Steve Jobs said Mac OS X is what's running on the iPod. You write about other things you can do on an iPod besides music. What are, you, what are you hearing or thinking about uh, an iPhone for things other than what Apple has giving you?
5: Well, I just absolutely love the fact that they've uh, given it the capability to run widgets. So imagine, if you will, if you can move your own widgets over there. Everybody probably knows that one of the features of Leopard is going to be uh, this, I don't know what they call it, but the capability dash of code. Dash Code. Thank you very much. But Dash Code will allow you to roll your own uh, widgets. Now, if you could do that and then somehow, someway sync those up with your iPhone, what a wonderful feature. And frankly, you know, I think, uh, if you talk about, you know, getting rid of just the, the phone capability, have a device that still has the, uh, 802.11, uh, built in, still has Bluetooth, man, that's useful. (laughs) But, uh, I also think you're gonna see a lot of games for that.
1: Well, one of the things that will be really, uh, Apple has been very, very tight-mouthed about is, is whether, what extent it will be opened at all. And I've heard various speculation ranging from, it might even be a Nintendo model where developers are allowed to create things, but only Apple ships them. You know, they have to be certified and all that. So, but we'll see because we've got six months. So, any other questions about iPod stuff or iWeb? Yes. Thank you, Jeff.
7: I'm wondering if you've heard anything
5: about what kind of processor is inside of this iPhone.
1: Um, We know that there's always sex. It's a a strong arm 11, I believe.
5: Good.
4: (laughs) Thank you.
1: Yeah. It only comes in
7: four or eight gigabytes, and um, my 60 gigabyte iPod is hardly holding my collection. Steve, uh,
1: thoughts?
5: Well, you've got to take a look at... at, uh You know, really, the way the entire iPod world has gone, you know, when they started coming out with the RAM-only devices, I think we had, what, 512 megabyte and 1 gigabyte. Now you're seeing uh, devices that are up to 8 gigs. So uh, I would not be totally surprised if by the time that they actually do ship the iPhone that you start seeing maybe 8 and 16. Or 16 and 32, but uh, yeah, it is a, an issue. I think they were really looking at the battery life. Uh, the radio definitely takes uh, quite a bit of power. Uh, you've got a beautiful screen on there that's also going to be sucking down the battery. So uh, you know, I I know darn well that they want to get that capacity up. It's just a, a matter of uh, battery life and all those trade offs. So uh, look forward to the future. Maybe version 2.0. <laughs>
4: Okay, one more question. Speaking of the future of iPods, do you think with the different iPod interface that they're introducing with the iPhone that we've seen the end of the click wheel video iPod as we know it, and the next video iPod will have
1: to have the cool touchscreen features?
5: I would certainly hope so.
1: <laughs> okay, moving on. Michael, any uh, any news from the syncing front is it a sinking? No, that, well, it's not. not make a sinking ship. <laughs> you have to know that if you read "Take Control of Sinking in Tiger," every bad sinking pun is made in that book. So,
4: don't send them to me because I think I've heard them all by this time. Um, well, there, there's a few things. There's a company called MarkSpace here that is uh, coming out with a product called Sync Together, which basically gives you all of the Mac <laughs> syncing capability without Mac. They purchased a product from a company called Mild-Mannered Industries, which is one of my favorite company names ever. (laughs) And it looks to be a really hot, really nice program. Um, In Leopard, I know that... Let me backtrack. In Tiger, Apple put in a syncing infrastructure inside of the OS to make any application capable of syncing information with other applications, with other uh, devices. And it's going to be improved significantly in Leopard, so I expect to see great things. And when you think about the iPhone... The fact is you've got your contacts you've got your calendars you've got your bookmarks all of that has to do with syncing you've got your tunes that you want to sync from your music library you've got your movies that you want to sync with your iphone so syncing is a big part of the iphone product as well and i think that there's going to be a lot
1: more stuff happening with syncing. well in fact um i mean if you think about it it's going to be a much bigger deal. You don't want to. You want to make sure that your music doesn't overwhelm the other stuff. Exactly, um, which is less of a problem on the existing, you know, small iPod nanos
4: Exactly. Um, syncing is one of those things that you really don't care about until it doesn't work. <laughs> and what Apple's really working on is making sure you don't care about it because it always works. And that's what I think you're going to be seeing in the next iteration of OS
1: 10. Any other uh, qu- any questions about syncing? iSync, getting iTunes to talk to an iPod, that sort of thing. Well, you know, apparently, oh, no one getting back. <laughs> wait wait till the mic comes around. We can't hear it all. So the problem
7: with this place, a little loud. Well, one of my questions is, it's going to be an 8-gigabyte hard drive. How much of the OS 10 software is going to use up that hard drive? That's or a very good question. It's be a 10-gigabyte hard drive, and only 2 or 8 gigabytes are going to be in use. Uh, that's
4: a really good question to which I don't have an answer because Apple's not releasing exactly how they're fitting OS 10 into that is it 8 gig including OS 10 or is OS 10 in firmware instead we don't know yet until somebody's actually got one of those iPhones and cracked it open and did a little forensic investigation we can all speculate but we really don't know.
3: Glenn, you said you had a briefing? Yeah, I got at a briefing and Apple they gave maybe a, a little more of a clue or maybe asked the question in a specific way and maybe i'm misinterpreting it but they they said the entire os10 is in there i said is it an embedded system you pulled stuff out and they said no it's all of os10 but you know we have really clever ways to sort of squeeze things here and there and some parts of the os10 are slightly compressed already or encrypted so they it it sounded to me they were saying very distinctly it was on the on the uh, the compact flash memory was going to take up a good chunk of it, so or a good chunk of you know maybe a gigabyte or something.
6: Even if even if that's true, they still have to have swap space and you know working space for the OS. Uh, I guess it's going to be a big unknown until uh, somebody gets to look into it, like Michael said.
4: Should be fun.
1: Okay. Any other sinking questions? Not Scott. What's uh what's up in the switching to a Mac world? It's gotten a lot easier now that we don't have to actually stop running that one stupid Windows application that 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 we need.
6: Yes, even Jim Alchin can keep using Windows <laughs> on his new Mac. Yeah, because I'm uh, sure
1: there's that custom app at Microsoft that he's just got to have.
6: Well, uh, the big news, uh, how many of you are running or interested in running Windows on your Intel Macs? Okay, so the, the most interesting news uh, on that front actually came a couple of weeks ago when uh, a company called VMware put out a beta version for the Mac that lets you run a virtual machine with Windows inside of it. So basically, it's a very similar product in function to what Parallels has been shipping for a while now. And um, it's not as far along in the development curve as Parallels. However, VMware has been around a lot longer and is a much better known company. So it's a really great uh, situation for us because it's uh, sort of a face-off between these two companies. And I've talked to people from both companies here at the show, and I think they each realize that they have to outdo the other. So Ooh. parallels, is, and, and we're the winners, as they say. Parallels Case match. <laughs> parallels is adding lots of cool features, like they added a feature recently called um, coherence. Coherence, thank you, coherence, which uh, is sort of I think of it as the Cheshire Cat feature because you get to run the Windows apps. But, the, but Windows goes away. You don't have to see the Windows desktop. If you have to run those one or two Windows apps, or maybe you're a webmaster who has to run Internet Explorer from time to time, you don't have to have the Windows desktop there anymore. You can just run the apps directly. Which, That's, from a Mac
1: user standpoint, is perfect. Exactly. Windows without Windows. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then there's a crossover people, too. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I
2: guess,
6: yeah. So, uh, I think it will be very interesting to see how VMware develops, what Parallels does to respond, and um, whether apple has anything up its sleeve in leopard because they've hinted at a few things they've released boot camp of course which is sort of the the distant uh way uh, distant last place way to run windows now because you have to reboot your mac of course it's the fastest way because you're actually running a windows machine at that point but uh i think it's the least preferred way because you have to reboot and that's that's painful although i have friends who bought macs just to run windows vista they're ex microsofties so they can be forgiven uh uh, Michael mentioned another uh, lesser known way of running Windows on the Mac, which is. Uh, a f- uh, is it freeware crossover? It's it's, not, I don't know if it's freeware. Th- there is a free version. Yeah, they're only and
1: It's not quite released yet. They're over in the corner here. Yeah, <laughs> it's
6: based on Wine, which is uh, uh, an open source Windows emulator. And um, I, you, can, you can run Windows applications, but only certain ones, only those which have been. Uh, specifically emulate and you could try others as well but uh, uh, it works best with the ones that they've specifically targeted and um, some of them are uh, only work in uh, Windows 98 emulation which is kind of interesting to see Windows 98 running on your MacBook Pro but it's worth checking out as well it's probably the, um, the easiest and cheapest solution because it's both free and uh, smallest, lightest weight I guess
1: any uh, em- Windows emulation or virtualization questions? Yeah. Any? any the people. Uh, regarding a server version, I can yeah, so no, yeah. just go ahead, Give it to him.
6: Uh, uh, a server version of the, uh, with VMware. Server. A question is whether Parallels is doing a server version to compete with uh, what uh, server version of VMware? Uh, I don't know of one. In fact, uh, when I talk to uh, VMware, they consider that to be one of their advantages—that they are. They have a broader product line and they can uh, uh, emulate a broader range, run a a broader range of virtual machines, emulate more uh, environments because of their history. So I don't know of one from Parallels, but I'm not sure. You should probably check with them to be certain. I I was just going to mention in the uh,
5: Apple Consultant Network uh, site, if you want to actually be one of the Parallels partners, they do have a line in there about a parallel server version. So apparently, this just they, in. Yeah, they apparently are coming out with it. Of course, okay. uh, that same website won't allow anybody to actually submit the form. So, <laughs> got a little problem there. Did you try it browser? using a Windows browser? <laughs> yeah, it didn't work either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Any other questions about Windows on a Mac? Yeah.
7: Um, I'm really interested in the uh, voice recognition uh, software from uh, Dragon. And I was wondering... How hard it is to export any uh, text that you make in Windows into a Mac application?
6: It's not hard at all. Uh, it's uh, depending on which, wh- whether you have the Parallels upgrade or whether you're using VMware. It's uh, the, a, at worst, it's uh, well, it's it's basically drag and drop. So uh, it's extremely easy, and that's a, <laughs> that's a common. In fact, I've talked to people who love Dragon, yeah. Dragon, naturally speaking, and. Uh, that's the only Windows application they use.
1: Okay. Thank
6: you for making me the Windows expert, Anne.
1: <laughs> Well, you did work for Microsoft uh, once. Shh. Sorry.
0: We'll be back with the Take Control crew after this message from our sponsor, MYOB. 1989, David Hasselhoff was dancing on the Berlin Wall. Michael Jordan was in search of his first title, and the brand-new Macintosh SE had 4 megabytes of RAM. 1989 was also the year MYOB introduced their award-winning software for Mac Small Businesses. 17 years later, MYOB is still empowering small business owners to manage their customers, vendors, inventory, payroll, and, of course, their accounting. To learn how MYOB can help your small business, visit myob-us.com. MYOB. Mind your own business. smarter. And now back to Adam Engst and Take Control.
1: Um, next up, um, we'll come back to Tanya in a minute. Um, next up, Karen Anderson, who, um, along with editing Take Control Thanksgiving dinner. I don't believe there's any turkey news on, on the show floor, but, um, but Karen is also a novelist uh, um, and well-known, well-known blogger. And so I was curious if she had anything to tell us about uh, writing software.
2: Um, I've, I've been working using some shareware, which has wonderful features but is fairly buggy. And I was complaining to my colleagues the other night that I would just love some really good novel writing software designed by a novelist. And indeed, it's here at Macworld. It's called Storyist. Um, Their booth is over there. And the fellow who um, wrote the Storyist software is a fellow named Steve who's an ex-Apple employee. And he has written a very juicy thriller which he has (laughs) in his over in his demo if you'd like to go scroll through it. And uh, he was nice enough to let me plug in my novel and, uh, and take a test. They have a very nice demo of the software, and there's also a discount if you buy it during Macworld. So it's called Storyist.
1: So so I guess when you, your novel is on the 2-gigabyte uh, the twi- the, the flash disk, you can have backups. So you don't just leave it in a restaurant and, yeah. Jeff, uh, any 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 questions about writing software? We're actually all very very interested in writing software of all sorts, so um, I'm sure we all have opinions.
2: Historius, is, is that also the name of the booth, or does it have a different company name? Historius. Oh, okay, great. Storius.
1: great. Storius. 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 Yes, booth number. Yeah. uh thirteen thirty eight. Tanya's Tanya will try to pull up the the, the URL. Another frustrated writer, you know, that's the problem. When you're a writer, you're frustrated, by definition. <laughs> I mean, uh, oh, uh, the... Noxymoron. It's an oxymoron, right. And we know what that means. Um, the uh, And we can the, spell it. And we can spell it. <laughs> um, I mean, what actually, what we do uh, with um, with Take Control, we do a lot of collaborative writing and collaborative editing. And so we use a bunch of tools that are actually somewhat unusual. Uh, some, are, some are common and some we use in unusual ways. So... We do things. Every book is an author-editor collaboration. So we have you know one author and one editor, and they'll go back and forth using Microsoft Word fairly standardly because we rely heavily on words version tracking and and commenting features and whatnot. But at some point when we have a first draft, we think we're ready. We go to a site called Quick Topic Document Review, um, and we can export HTML out of Word, open it in this site. And then we could make it easy for everyone in a a reviewing group, all our other authors, and even a group of uh, people who work with us, folks like him back in the the third row, Andrew Lawrence, Um, but but a bunch of experts to say, hey, go through this and tell us if it makes sense. Tell us if there's any mistakes. And so we do a lot of technical editing in this. Um, in this in this uh, quick topic document review site, it's really really useful. If you've ever been like mailing Word documents around to five people and then trying to get their comments back and put them all together, you'll go insane. Use quick topic document review instead. It's free. You just upload your file, send people the URL, and everyone can make a you can make a comment on any given paragraph. Um, and so once we do that, and that's that's when, then people will go back into Word, finish off the changes, and then we have a, a whole process that gets into PDF. Um, So collaborative editing and writing tools are something that we have great frustrations with. Um, We're still stuck with email and everything. Any event, sorry, that's just a hobby horse. I'll I'll get off it now. (laughs) Um, Jeff Carlson. um, Hello. You edit books on all sorts of topics. Yes. Um, Digital cameras, garage band, backups. Any things that you want to tell us about?
7: As a matter of fact, I have three. One for each.
1: One for each. You've been doing your homework.
7: uh, I I also had other people doing my homework for me, so that (laughs) helps. Um, So uh, if you're not familiar with it, Take Control of Mac OS X Backups is the title that everyone should have just because everyone needs it. I mean, obviously, Apple is um, coming out with Time Machine and Leopard. um, But don't wait for Time Machine to back up. (laughs) No, no. And and in fact, um, Joe Kissel, who who wrote the book, um, he, he... covers a little bit about like what Time Machine looks like right now, given the information that's come out and, you know, how we'll be dealing with backups there. But in a more practical sense, um, the tech Tool Pro people, hmm. um, the company name I've forgotten, they're the people who do TechTool Pro.
1: Micromat. Micromat.
7: They have something called pro to go And what that is, it's software that lets you... Um, pop in uh, Mac OS 10 install CD, and it will basically let you put your uh, a Mac OS 10 installation onto a small um, flash drive or or you know some you know, very much like that, so that you can have um, basically r- rather than carrying backup CDs and things like that, you can let's say your hard drive dies, you need to figure out why your laptop won't start you can boot up from this little flash key and and and, uh, i'm i'm presuming that you can also like maybe put a copy of retrospect on there and and you know disk utilities and things like that that will also let you so it lets you get uh, to
1: the ability to restore your backup which is of course the entire point
7: yes the, uh, the MicroMap people
1: actually last year at the show shipped a, a, um, a, a sort of a, a hardware version of this called Protoge, TechTool Protoge, which is a brilliant. It's a little one gigabyte Firewire flash drive. And the reason why it was Firewire is because PowerPC Max cannot boot from USB 2. And so, and at the time, <laughs> at the time we didn't have Intel Max left one year ago. And so, it's this little thing you could boot from it, it and all the recovery software you could put your other, your backup software on. It's it's a brilliant little device and, um you know, it's one of those things where you sort of have it and hope you never need to use it, but you eventually will. <laughs> so, um, you know, so it's a good thing to have particularly if you're a consultant or someone who goes around and helps other people. It's very nice to be able to have all this and have it bootable in Mac OS X. It's great. And
7: yeah. have it small and easy to carry. Is the,
1: is the Protégé still available? I, I believe it is. Um, and I believe yes, there's a new version that will boot Intel Macs as well. Yeah, go. I'm sure Micromat's here. Find they're them. Right, and they're man. right over there, actually. You can right see it from where I'm sitting. Like, over there.
7: If we all say, hey, Micromat at the same time,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be very
7: confused.
1: Okay, they, now, they
7: all call Starbucks and order 4,000 lattes. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe Steve Jobs is doing prank phone calls. Isn't that where he and Wall started? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's where it all began. Well, you know.
1: first person
4: for
7: that. Yes.
1: Ooh, worst person in the world for that. That's
7: okay, hilarious. second product. Well, so, uh, so the second product, um, in relation to uh, take control of, of recording in GarageBand, uh, an ebook by Jeff Tolbert. Um, Who's in here, the bum? No, he's not. He. <laughs> He's, he's a musician, he, he doesn't travel all that much. Um, anyway, he, uh, uh, I was at the Belkin booth, and the, there's a thing called the Belkin Tune Studio, and I have to say, I'm not a musician, uh, despite trying once. Um, and, and so mostly, like, I'm really curious to, to send him this and say, is this really cool? Because it looks really cool. Um, it's basically, it's a small audio mixer, Um, that will let you, first of all, it has great industrial design. I mean, it looks really cool, and it has, like, this funky little handhold. So if you happen to be just, like, holding it or, um, as one person said, you can, like, mix things live with your iPod. There's a slot you just slide your iPod in. And the demo that they were doing at the booth, they had two guys on, on a guitar just playing, and they were all hooked into this thing, recording directly into the iPod. And then playing it back. Cool. And I think there's, there's probably some way you can like play it back out and perhaps edit it, I'm not sure. But I mean it has all of the 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 ports and the doohickeys and the slots and the whatever that you need to hook up um, you know both consumer and pro audio gear. So um, I believe it was uh one seventy nine and coming out in February. Cool. And your your digital camera pick? Uh, my, my digital camera pick was just that. Holy cow! You go to a, a, a one of the you know Nikon or Canon, and there are a, a hundred digital cameras to choose from. Which is why
1: we wrote, "Take control of buying a digital camera," because it's insane when you try to go and pick from them.
7: It is. I mean, you have no. You have no clue. I mean,
1: there's just too many options.
7: Well, and w- what's interesting, um, uh, Larry uh, Lawrence Chen and I, we found out that a lot of people, when they buy a digital camera, they buy what their friends recommend. You know, so hey, someone good idea. Said, <laughs> someone said, you know, hey, I got this, you know, Canon SD400, and I like it. And, um, you know, I mean, there are so many different factors to to, picking a digital camera, whether it's, you know, how, it, how well it holds in your hand to megapixels. In fact, I mean, Larry says megapixels are really not as important anymore. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it, good sense to just go into the booths, fight the crowds, because there are crowds... Um, I, I mean, I, I haven't gone by there when it's been when it's been slow, yeah. and, and just like like
1: feel all the cameras,
7: feel them, hold them touch up your eyes. Touch your can Oh, sorry, that's touch
1: your music. I'm sorry. Right. Touch touch your images. <laughs> uh, touch your image maker. Well, I want to say that one of the things that I mean, the, the, the camera your friends when I got my first digital or actually my second digital camera because I had an Apple QuickTake 150 way back when um, wasn't that one kind of the Nikon, first digital cameras was, ever? Yes, it was. And um, but I had a Nikon. Everyone, all my friends had the Nikon 990, and it was this you know this big kind of professional camera, and they all loved it. And I thought, oh, maybe I should get that. And um, and then I started looking at it, and was like, no, I, I really need something like this that I can put in my pocket. And it was just—it was. You have to think about what you need, what kind of photographer you are, how you use a camera, because there's so many varieties these days, and that's what the book really tries to do. And, even, um, and you're not limited
4: but, to one camera in your you're, life.
1: You're no. not. No. no. And actually, I have to say, this is the second one I bought because <laughs> I got the Power, Power the PowerShot S100. This is the S400, and I'm dying for like the 700 now because.
7: Once you get into into one manufacturer's interface, it's a lot easier to stay with it. <laughs> However, ever you, sir, what you suggest is dangerous. We we're in the press room, and I see what you know. <laughs> I only I, I I don't need just one camera. I need two cameras. Well, actually, now I need two cameras and a wide-angle lens. Well, actually, the wide-angle lens is good, but now I need a super big zoom lens, and now I need to see the surface of Mars from my backyard using yeah. a lens <laughs> exactly. and. Pretty soon you've mortgaged your house for lenses, <laughs> and hilarity ensues.
1: All right. Well, finally, Tanya, maybe you could tell us about the the the, the newest books that we've got. Um, the final uh, the final set. And well, will...
2: my my job is to serve <laughs> as editor in chief for this entire bunch. It's it's quite a job wrangling all these brilliant personalities, but I love it. And I thought I would tell you a little bit about what we did in December. And we have two CDs up here to raffle off. They have our complete collection of something like 45 eBooks on them. So it's actually a pretty significant prize. Um, In December, we did two books. One was an update to take control of running Windows on a Macintosh. It was an incredible endeavor because we thought we were about two days from shipping and then Parallels announced this huge beta with all kinds of new things and me and the author and the editor did a few all-nighters not too long before Christmas to get the thing out the door, only to find about a week later that we've already got some updates. But these are electronic books. We can do updates immediately on the web and we can roll them out really fast. We don't have to do a whole production cycle, a printing cycle, and get them into Borders and Barnes and Noble so people have to buy them completely again. So we've got a lot more flexibility. The other book that we did in december which was with a great deal of pleasure because it had been a long time in the making was by glenn fleischman who knows a lot about networking he knows a lot about the internet and he wrote take control of your domain names so that people can really understand how to register a domain name and how to really get it working with their website which turned out be really hard to explain well. And we spent a it's long really time... It's hard to do as
1: well. <laughs>
2: it's as though all the information about it has been conveyed verbally from geek to geek to geek, <laughs> but no one's really talked about, well, how do you spell this? Why is this thing called the same thing as this other thing, but they're, they're not the same thing? Yeah, let,
3: let's, let's not get into the reason if you leave a period out in domain names in configuring them, then everything breaks, you know, at the fundamental architecture of the Internet.
2: So, so, so I was... Really proud of this book. Actually, I've been really proud of all of the books. They come out of a sort of a group editing process, and it's just a real, it's a real pleasure to do them.
0: And that, somewhat abruptly, I admit, ends the Take Control session and this edition of the MacWorld Podcast, sponsored by MyOB, small business management software. MyOB helps you to mind your own business smarter. I'd like to thank Adam and Tanya Angst, Glenn Fleischman, Steve Sandy, Michael Cohen. Scott Canaster, Karen Anderson, and Jeff Carlson, and, of course, you for listening. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, Mac, iPod, iPhone, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. See you next time.